1: I like the sound of
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just start it. Welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive podcast. We are longer- <laughs> Oh, off to a rough and fun start, as they all are, with, with the gang of <laughs> the Hive hosts. Four-fifths of us are here to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. New series premiere on Disney+. Plus, Episode 1, Season 1, aired just yesterday as we record the show on Friday, March 19th. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me today are Dave Potter, Greg Lent, and Scott Ivansky. Good morning, gentlemen. Woo! Good
3: morning. Woo. Good morning.
2: No, yeah. Yeah. I'm Thank-
0: going to take over. I'm going to
3: hijack this podcast real quick because I can. Because along with the Friday premiere of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we also had a Thursday premiere Of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And seeing as that, the rule of the show, correct me if I'm wrong, the rule of the show is the episodes will go no longer than what we're reviewing. This here is Scott's wet fucking dream because we now have four hours of talk coming at you guys.
1: No, Greg, it's even better than that. It's four hours and 50 minutes of talk time. (laughs) Woo! Can't wait. Uh, I don't think I can
0: uh, hang for that long. You guys can keep... I might I might have to bow out about uh, 36 minutes in. <laughs> can, I, can I also uh, say... I, I think
4: I'll follow, I'll follow the track that my friend Mary did when she was watching it, and she took a nap before the beginning of Part 3, or Chapter 3, or whatever
1: it was. <laughs> I, I, I have to say also, it was great to hear Greg say he's going to hijack the show. He's our max headroom right here. This is amazing. <laughs> there will be a more in-depth discussion of the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League when we uh, do a regular
4: version of the show. This version is, of course, focused on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But just as a quick preview for everybody, I will share Greg Lent's three-word reaction Mm. to the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, just to to whet your appetite, so you'll come back for the regular episode later to hear our full discussion about this. And that three-word reaction to the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, slow as
0: fuck. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> and for th- for at three words on my three-word review this time, so props to me.
0: <laughs> hey, also just want to recognize Nico Rodriguez uh, joining late and, and being here with us on Saturday. Good morning, Nico. Good morning.
4: Good, good job pulling a Scott and getting here seven minutes after 9.43.
0: At the crack of dawn. <laughs> yep. Right on time. All right, guys. Uh, today, we are talking about, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier... The series premiere was this week. Very excited to have a new show on Disney Plus in out of the Marvel Universe. On the tales of WandaVision, of course, if you haven't heard our episodic review of WandaVision, go back and listen to those. Uh, every weekend we come together and review the show. We'll be doing that for the next six weeks for the six episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're looking forward to spending some Saturday morning time together and with you our listeners so so guys the next installment in the marvel universe the falcon and the winter soldier it it felt very familiar to me Uh, it feels like the the mcu to me it really felt very cinematic and um we'll just start with high level reviews this being the first time we're we're talking about the falcon and the winter soldier i'm gonna start with greg greg what was your impression of falcon and winter soldier uh, you know, you hit it kind of hit the nail
3: on the head with that, Steve. It felt familiar. Uh, Wandavision came in. We all kind of said, "What the fuck?" We all had different, you know, ideas of Is it going too fast? Is it going too slow? What kind of story are they telling here? Um, and it, 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 you know, it came together into a solid show from from beginning to end. If you think about it, this one feels. Completely the, the most familiar Marvel episode we've seen in a long time. It feels like everything else we've seen coming in the movies. And I think that's just fine.
0: All right. Just fine.
3: Just <laughs> fine.
0: Okay. I, all right. That's, uh, yeah, I will agree with that for sure. Nico, uh, you've recently watched all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is, is our assessment on on par here? Does this feel like an extension of the MCU?
2: yeah it does um i don't you'll have to excuse me because i've only watched the episode once but there's an obvious i think an obvious time jump between the end of Endgame and the beginning of falcon and the winter soldier but they didn't really put that in like text anywhere on the screen to let us know exactly how far after this is did they
4: they they Man, they made an illusion that it's been a, a few months. Like I, I don't think they said it specifically, but I felt like it was you know five or six okay. months or something. So I, yeah. I feel like this takes place after WandaVision.
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was just I don't. Yeah, it, it felt weird to me. It felt it felt like it was like years after or something. I don't know. It felt like Sam has been holding on to that shield for years and years and years. And now it's like, oh, he's finally giving it up. But I don't know. Um, yeah, it felt comfy. It felt very Marvel. Um, I, I enjoyed it. But much like WandaVision, I'm, I, I feel like I need to give it a couple more episodes. Or in the case of WandaVision, you know, 10 more episodes to figure out what the fuck was going on.
0: Right, right. Scott, what what was your take on this? Do you feel like the continuity is there between the MCU and what
1: we saw yesterday? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I absolutely loved the episode, uh, but it was weird because everyone's all excited. And, and I think the previews of it and the trailers and the and the kind of buzz about it was we were going to get an action-packed series because of the two characters involved, um, as opposed to the WandaVision more kind of psychedelic kind of weird stuff going on uh my review of it is it was an unbelievable part four to the captain america series action-packed for a extremely dark and somber story like there is there's some really dark stuff going on there and um i think the other thing I, i felt was I'm so glad that I don't have to look for a ton of Easter eggs this time, like WandaVision. Oh, never mind. We'll get to that. (laughs) No, but I'm glad you brought it up, Scott, because I'm still trying to figure out what
4: sitcom this was an homage to. I'm really, really struggling this time around.
0: And and Dave, that leads me to you. Uh, Was this jarring at all for you after watching the slow speed chase that was WandaVision?
4: It, no, I mean it's it's a definite gear shift, but I think that's part of the beauty of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is each product is kind of its own genre within the the broader element of a superhero story. And this was, I mean, the first ten minutes of it, the opening set piece, if you will, that was that was action in the mighty Marvel manner. That oh, was yeah. what we've been what we've what has been missing for about two years from our from our collective pop culture experience. But I did I, I do feel like there's an interesting subtext here that I'm wondering if they're going to get into and maybe I'm reading too much into it but the idea that Sam Wilson was uncomfortable with the idea of of taking over the mantle of Captain America and the idea that the government felt there still needed to be a captain America so they went out and they got one mm. I feel like there's an interesting subtext there that they could touch on, which which will get into the the identity of a, a and they talk about it a symbol for all America and the symbol for all America that they pick again, when they have the opportunity to is a white man and Sam Wilson is an African American and is uncomfortable taking on the mantle of captain America. And there's, there's a very powerful subtext there that I, I hope they address and don't just leave as subtext.
1: I, I I know we're going to get into all of this, but Dave, I can't agree with you more. In fact, I think knowing some of the storyline, especially the 80s uh, Captain America and where Cap went in the 80s where he eventually ends up quitting and what we're going to be talking about, this other character, the, 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 the character that is picked to replace him as that symbol. There's a hidden feature, again, Easter eggs, in the actual credits where we see a character that alludes to something that you're talking about. I hope you picked up on that, but we'll get to it eventually when we're doing the recap of the whole series or the whole show.
0: Was it surprising to you for this first episode? And I'll just throw this out to anyone that wants to, to respond that, that Bucky and Sam don't cross paths at all in this episode. So is this going to be the buddy sort of the buddy flick that we all think it will be? I, 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 it was surprising
4: to me only in the sense that there wasn't even like a, a mention of them. Like we, we saw two completely separate track stories going on, and there was not even a mention of I, I, the other character. Well, I think there was a mention of it with, with uh, Winter Soldier, where it was like, hey, who's yeah, Sam? With, with you haven't
0: responded to his text, text. or something. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. haven't
4: responded to a text like from Sam. Like but,
3: he's not responding to any of the phone calls that Sam's reaching out to him with, so. Right.
4: But that was but that was it. And there, that was the only little foreshadowing, if you will, outside yeah. of the title of the flippin' series, that these characters are going to go, you know, lethal weapon buddy cop on us.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's the only reason it felt weird to me is knowing that this is only six episodes. So it felt like even though it's 50 minutes long, you still have a lot of like, whoa, we got to get these characters together and moving in a storyline. So we only we only have five now where that's got to kind of happen. So
4: and and by the way, I, I got a detour for a second to just say, I love what they are doing with uh, with the Winter Soldier character that he signed a pardon, that there are these conditions of a pardon, that he's in therapy as a condition of the pardon. And he has three specific rules to follow and that he routinely breaks two of the rules, but always follows the last one, which is to (laughs) announce in a very horrifying way and terrifying way that I'm making amends for my past
0: mistakes. (laughs) Right. Talk about a twist on that last rule, right? It's almost like his little, like a 12 step. It's his three step program, right? Don't do anything illegal. Don't hurt anyone. And, um, Say these words to the person he's making amends to: "I'm no longer the Winter Soldier. I am James Bucky Barnes, and you are part of my efforts to make amends." Uh, hey, which I, in that I last scene that, is great.
3: I thought all that was kind of strange, actually, because we spent, you know, all of basically the Civil War movie with with Bucky racking with his guilt, and, and then he, he banishes himself to Wakanda. He gets put into stasis or whatever, and they wake him up, and he's and he's, he spends the next however long living in a hut until Infinity War. You know, and, and now we're still going back to the uh, I'm so guilty story. I just I, I, I think I thought we had played that out already and you know, I'm happy to explore it a little bit. <laughs> I, I thought, well we only got six like to Scott's point, we only got six six episodes. Can we get to the point a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Greg, but I think the, the issue with that um is what you talk about with him and uh, Wakanda is not the US's version of that. They're not they're not like okay, all is forgiven because you went off to what at the time everyone thought was an imaginary land. It turns out it's a hidden country, uh, to, to go through like rehab. Um, I think what oh. they're doing is for the pardon purpose, they're going yeah. to allow this to happen if he makes these, um, this amendment, this. Oh, sure. Yeah. He's he, amends. There's,
3: there's, there's a penance to be paid and, and I'm totally right. fine with that. Like, unlike Dave says, and they, you know, they, they kind of made it funny too. And the fact that he's breaking two of the three rules that he has to that he has to follow with everybody. Yeah. But, you know, there, there were lots of shots of, of, of Bucky just longing and looking at, you know, people he's wronged in the past and, and just agonizing <laughs> over it. And I'm like, oh.
0: Is some of that exposition, though, for maybe viewers that aren't as familiar? Because, you know, it, it seems to me like every superhero, Dave, has that, that, uh, that pain that drives them to be who they are. And do we have to sort of cover that for maybe the uninitiated viewer?
4: I think that that what you just described, the superhero with the inner pain and turmoil, that is going back to the the 60s origin of the modern Marvel Universe. That's what makes a Marvel hero a Marvel hero. The DC heroes that were the predominant blend or strain in in comic books from the late 30s until the Marvel Universe dawned in the early 60s, they all had predominantly external flaws. You know, Superman was vulnerable to kryptonite.
3: Don't tell that to Zack Snyder.
4: Don't tell that to (laughs) Zack Snyder. But, you know, Marvel really premiered this idea of these heroes with these inner angst and inner turmoil. Like Spider-Man is guilty because he caused the death of his adopted father. You know, Bucky Barnes is now tormented by all the bad things he did. And, Greg, I think you make a valid point. I'm kind of wondering if where they're going with it is that his time in Wakanda was more about not not sliding into villainous ways anymore. So, yeah. you know, kind of the detox that a, a recovering alcoholic goes through where they're, now they're no longer going to to drink anymore. But now they have to go through the remainder of the 12-step program, with, which can take years yeah. of making amends and coming to peace with how they lived life as an alcoholic versus a recovering alcoholic. And if that's yeah. the tact they're taking, that would be valid. I just, to your point, I don't know if they've shown us enough or given us enough to, sh- to really clue us in that
1: that's what they're doing. And, and I think he even kind of points out to that. He he does say something to the fact that he spent all that time in Wakanda, like deprogramming, like unlearning the the code that was being read to him all the time to switch him on into the mm. um, Winter Soldier mode. So, but yeah, I'm I'm curious. Also, uh, if we're gonna call this a buddy cop show because it's like Lethal Weapon, good cop, bad cop type thing, can uh, uh, what's his name? Helmet, <laughs> uh, Baron Zemo, yeah, Baron Zemo. Thank you. Uh, can he be the Joe Pesci? That's all I want to know. <laughs> Let's add a little humor to him. They will you definitely muck him in the drive-thru, though. At one point, <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> oh my god. I all can right. already see a scenario, Greg, of them them going through the drive-through. He's in the back seat, and they hold up a picture of his family that's been murdered. <laughs> and for all the people listening right now
4: who have never seen Lethal Weapon three, they are going, "What the hell are these guys talking about?"
1: <laughs> oh, Nico,
4: that Nico. hurts. Me. <laughs> that hurts me so much, man.
2: Oh. Um, I can so blame I- my dad. I want to. Hey. Jump... <laughs> Nico, watch
1: Lethal Weapon three tonight. It's better than four hours of Zack Snyder's. Justice Don't tell me Blitz. what to you do. You're not my dad. But that is a true story. A great. No. Guys. I'm going to throw out my my
0: first of many guaranteed many non comic book fan questions. Well, I won't say fan, but non. Uh, I, I, I'm just not a comic book guy. I think we've established not regular, that. Not a regular reader. Yes, yeah. there you go. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having my back on that. Um, all right, we see Don Cheadle mm-hmm. in this episode, True. and I, I do know that that he plays the character War Machine. In the you're doing films. great, Steve. You're doing all right. great so far. Doing so good. far, <laughs> too doing for good. two for two. Fire, dude. What is the significance of War Machine? And I'm gonna I'm gonna let Greg start with this. What is the significance of War Machine in the in the MCU? Well, in in the in Marvel. And how does it relate to Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson? How does well, his character relate?
3: So, so going back a ways, it's not so much the character War Machine; it's more the character James Rhodes, who the real guy behind behind the uh, in inside the armor. And going back in the comic books, James Rhodes was always Tony Stark's best friend. And Tony Stark, when he went through his uh, his bouts with alcoholism, stepped out of the armor. James Rhodes was the first person outside of Tony Stark to wear the Iron Man armor, so that's the significance of the character. Um, in the MCU, he's always kind of been the other Iron Man guy because you know he was introduced way back in the first Iron Man movie, and he and then and starting with Iron Man two, he got his own suit of armor, and then he's taken up spot as you know resident Shellhead now that Tony Stark is dead in the MCU. So and I think it's just something, since he does have a military background, he's an Air Force guy. Sam Wilson, also with a military background, also an Air Force guy. I just mm. it makes sense to pair them up together. But it, as far as he, the comic books, I don't think they have any real lasting relationship.
4: They, they, they so. don't, but I'll, I'll jump in to build on what you just said, Greg. I agree with every word of it. I, I think if you look at just the comics, not the cinematic universe arcs for the character, but the comic arcs for the character. James Rhodes was always Tony Stark's best friend backup sidekick whatever you want to call it and Bucky Barnes had that same similar arc with Captain America so having them both kind of standing there talking now that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe Tony Stark is gone and Captain America is gone
3: it, and it, they're, interestingly, they're, so, did, so did Sam Wilson
4: yeah but but they they really they I, I'm sorry I meant Sam Wilson when I said Bucky Barnes they they are two people who are going through something in a similar place. And they're literally the only two people on the planet who can really relate to each other in what that place is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Greg, that's a great point, you know, correcting the, the name issue there, Sam Wilson, yes, because we you. are, we it's are introduced. Yeah, same here. <laughs> um, we are introduced to a character named Torres, who, uh, most notably, uh, for comic book fans is, a replacement for the Falcon in the comic books. So I don't know if they got the first name right. Did they get no, the first name? They, they never re- they never revealed his first name.
3: Okay, I have no idea about
0: that. So no sorry. Idea. Is is Torres the the military the uh, the guy on the ground in the Joaquin. jeep, sort of giving instruction or support yeah. to Falcon? Yes. Okay. Okay.
4: Yes. He's also the guy who gets his ass kicked by the uh, the, right. the flag smasher terrorist. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay.
0: Um, a a, large, a big chunk of the episode um, that I actually really love the, the character development uh, uh, inherent in this is, is the Sam's sister, Sarah, and their plight um, to to save the, the family business. And I thought that was really um, really wonderfully done um, in, in sort of like pulling the curtain back in Sam's personal life and showing that, that, um, you know, the struggle that the family has had to keep the business alive. Um, I also loved that uh, they're going down this road of sort of like describing what it's like to be a black person in America. Like, even though this man is a superhero and he's recognized by the guy at the bank as as part of the group that saved the world, he still can't get the loan to save the family business. And I'm just curious where this is headed. I think we alluded to it earlier, uh, Dave, but uh, where this is headed long term for this show and will they let this play out and have this be a little bit of social commentary?
4: I I couldn't help but wonder if that was Scott Lang in the bank, if Scott would have gotten the loan as a white man. With probably yeah. an even worse financial track record than Sam Wilson has,
3: and, and a criminal record, and, and, and a criminal
4: and. record. But would he still have gotten the loan?
3: But seriously, yeah. dude, dude fought Thanos. Pepper Potts can't hook him up with the foundation, with the Stark Foundation grant or anything like that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's true because in the comics, it's a long known, it's a long running gag that the Avengers receive a weekly stipend if you are an active member Avenger, meaning you are suiting up and going into battle whenever, whenever the you know, Avengers assemble call goes out, you get a weekly stipend so yeah. that you don't have to, to worry about life. We, we need I, you on call for these things.
1: I love that Dave. Cause I love that you pointed that out because they make a joke about that. When he says, what did Tony not give you an allowance or a fund or something or, or whatever? I'm like, well, wait a minute in the comics, I believe they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think was...
0: in this episode, he, he literally asks, like, how do you make your money? Like, how do you get paid? And he says, yeah. I have the quote here. He says, there's a tremendous amount of goodwill. This is um, Sam's answer. There's a tremendous amount of goodwill, and because of that, people are inclined to help, which is really interesting. I, I, I love that they they put it out there in that way, but you know, yeah. you can't have to think about. This, you're right about the Stark Foundation. I mean, I would think Tony would you know subsidize some of the some of their costs, right? Tony's dead at this point. So well, that's be... a good point. that's a good yeah,
4: point. Yeah. <laughs> but but Steve, also to build on what you were saying about what the the plight of being a, a an African American is in the country. and i and I love that whole section, the background, you know, the background mm-hmm. of Sam and his family. I also think what it was doing was it was showing in depth for the first time, consequences of the blip. Because we had Spider-Man far from home, which kind of laughed, you know, played it up for jokes and humor and all that. But part of Sam's problem with understanding where the family business is is he's been gone for five and a half years. Yeah. And his sister has gone through this struggle for that same amount of time and now suddenly he's back there and he's starting from, you know when he left in 2018. He's not fully caught up to where she is in in Marvel Cinematic Universe time of 2023. And that that struggle and friction, I imagine, is very, very real for virtually everybody on the planet in every relationship that got resurrected when the Avengers undid the snap. Yeah. And I I, I loved that part of it as well, separate and distinct from, and it's an African American family going through all these financial troubles.
1: Yeah. And, and to add to that, um, I like how the, the progression of the blip has, has moved from Spider-Man, which like you said, Dave was a kind of played out as a mm-hmm. joke, kind of funny that the tuba guy gets knocked over or whatever. And it's funny, but then we get one division where we see the reality of somebody actually m- on a, a like molecular level being reconstructed and the shock of that happening. It's like a horror movie. And then you see the, like, you're now talking about the five years after the ramifications of being gone and how that affects certain people, anybody that was gone. So in this case, it just happens to be uh, Sam and his family. And I I find that just, that's where I think what you mentioned at the top of the show is going to play out really interesting in this. And that brings in that more real and dramatic version of the show, which is typically a Captain America action film played out over six episodes is now going to have this kind of dark brooding thing about real life for these people. And that's what I find fascinating about the show so far.
0: Yeah. I think it would be fun if they, if they uh, delved a little bit deeper into the chaos that occurred when the snap was undone and everybody came back. I like, I love that scene in, in WandaVision when Monica Rambo is sort of reformed and, there's that chaos in the hospital that was just so well done and just uh, imagine how crazy that would be i mean that that you know they've got a lot to play with there i think
2: yeah
0: yeah um so i want to talk a little bit about uh, bucky's friend yuri is, is he is that from the comics at all is there a connection there or is that something that's uh, uh, conceived for the show you think
3: uh i'm not aware of one um but i didn't read many of the winter soldier stories those came around later 90s 2000s i think and i'd stopped reading comics regularly at that point so i'll defer to the others i i've only read the original
4: steve epting uh, excuse me uh, uh, ed brubaker steve epting winter soldier stuff i've not read a lot of the subsequent things but i think that's just unique to this show
3: yeah okay
1: okay yeah and and also, uh, I had to do a little uh, research slash cheating on this because I didn't know. But when he opens up his notebook, which is a nice reference to Steve's notebook from Civil War. Was it Civil War <laughs> right. or Winter's- Winter Soldier? Breaking right
3: down all the things he's missed in the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Steve has to do all the research on like catching up and, and living his life. And here, Bucky has to go back and make amends for all these things that he did horrible. But a lot of those names on that list are actual characters or references to... Uh, characters in the comic series
0: right there's a, I'm looking at an article actually from um, uh, let's see this is uh, sorry variety sorry Dave you want to jump in No, I was
4: gonna say I liked it because it, it it also it hits on that that recovering alcoholic theme that I was talking about earlier <laughs> because recovering alcoholics have to make amends That's to all list. the people yeah. that they've they've wronged and they literally they have a list that they make and and they go through and it can take them years to accomplish this so it kind of of made me laugh that Bucky Barnes says oh here are people I need to make amends to meaning that you're going to get arrested you're going to get a very scary boogeyman visit in the night but I'll just tell you that I'm here to make amends
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so a couple couple of the names on that list uh, courtesy again of a variety Um, Rostov R-O-S-T-O-V Rostov, H. Hauser uh, H. Zemo Z-E-M-O any, any of these ring a bell for you guys well, that, yeah that's baron Zemo that's Baron
1: Zemo oh, okay that'll be
4: the, that'll be the villain of the piece so you yeah. might get to cross mm-hmm. the name off his list
1: yeah
0: talking about the villain of the piece um, who are the flag smashers and why are they important
1: Dave you want to take
0: this one <laughs> I, I, I
4: was gonna I was gonna yield to Greg Greg or Scott Greg. if you wanted to
3: because this was <laughs> <Nope>. this <laughs> I got nothing
4: <laughs> this was right before I started reading – Flag Smasher was right before I started reading Captain America comics, so I know more about it as opposed to having read it myself. But yeah. he was the Flag Smasher character as opposed to an organization, a character. Hmm. Uh, he was a guy who was dedicated to the destruction of symbols and symbolism, which makes him actually a fun villain for Captain America because Captain America is, of course, you know, the ultimate symbol of what is right and true and good about the concept of America. Yeah. So how it seems that they're taking this here is that it's a a terrorist organization as opposed to a single individual, which I love that makes it something that's not just going to be a, a one-off or turn into, you know, a recurring character like a Batman 66 TV show. Yeah. And I like that they're tying it into the blip and that they're dedicated to going back to what life was at the time when the world was depopulated by 50%, a world sure. with no borders, fewer symbols, and it's just it's just all of us. I we only got kind of a glimpse or a taste of what they this group is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I absolutely love the reimagining and reenvisionment because honestly, if I showed you a picture of the Flag Smasher character, you would be like, that's stupid looking. He, he is mm. not a he is not a villain that inspires terror when he shows up.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> no. so one, I'm, I I really like the way you put that, Dave, because uh, the the nuance of of this terrorist group that you know. Or not a terrorist group, this organization, you know, that that really rides the line of are they good, are they bad, kind of fits into our real world environment today. So we all we can all kind of relate to it, kind of put some gray air. I like the way you describe that. Two, I'm bummed I got stuck with trying to call out what flag smash was when nobody asked about
1: Betrock the Leaper coming in at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Well, we, we haven't even, we haven't even really done the recap yet. So that's what's, we're just jumping all over the <laughs> board here. Yeah. Batrock the Leaper's back and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Is that flag? Looks, looks a little like Space Ghost with a cape. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs>
3: he's, he's
2: like a, he's a Marvel Hawkman.
3: Oh, yeah, 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 except he can't fly.
1: Minus yeah. the wings. Minus the wings. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, Greg, oh my god, we just have two, like, branches here. I feel like we're in an in, in <laughs> Infinity War time zone thing, or um, time leaping. Okay, first of all, Batrock the Leaper, uh, I actually feel bad for the character, because he had so much better, like, things going on. Yeah, there, that's a great shot right there. We should post these, so Generic people can...
2: bad guy in the cape.
1: You know, when he was first introduced in uh, Winter Soldier, was it? When they go, he's on the ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He
3: gets his ass kicked in the very beginning of Winter Soldier, just like he gets his ass kicked in the very beginning of this show. <laughs> right.
1: So this is what I loved about it. This is why I said it's Captain America part four. It's like a continuation. It really is like showcasing almost scene by scene. The only thing is he actually got some good fight sequences in that movie. This one, the one time you see the leap move, it's kind of hidden behind <laughs> Sam in a box. And I'm like, oh, wow. OK, that's poor guy. <laughs> I felt but bad. he's still French. Still French. He's still, yeah. And he's there. He's still alive. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I want to, I was going to point out something on Dave's thing, but I want to just say this. I don't think the Flag Smasher organization is the real villain here. I think what we're going to see is, well, uh, we see an introduction of a big character at the end of the show. Um, I think he's going to become the the main villain. I don't even think um, Baron Zemo is going to be the villain. I ser- I joked about the Joe Pesci thing. I think he will become part of the team. So, so you think Johnny Walker is the villain of this Yes. Piece, is what you're I, saying? I
4: do. Johnny Walker, and the, and, of course, is the unnamed, as yet in the show, unnamed, but we know who it is, the yes, new Captain America.
1: The new Captain America. Yeah, because even some of the symbols and the outfit itself which we will get to is very reminiscent of, I want to say his outfit, but it's actually not his outfit. It's Captain America's outfit when Captain America leaves. And then it gets flip-flopped, right? The, the stripes going across the chest and the five-pointed kind of weird-looking star, not a, the normal Captain America well, star.
3: You know, mm. was, well, in the comics, you know we forget we're going to forget about nomad for a little while cuz there was a period where Steve Rogers was nomad so yeah. Steve Rogers stops being Captain America becomes US Agent yes. and they bring oh. and, the, and the government brings in John Walker to be Captain America and then and then the roles flip-flop after that Steve Rogers goes back to being Captain America and John Walker becomes US Agent
4: except he became just the captain the captain, captain. That's right. captain. Yes, the U.S. Captain. agent captain. was was a, an original <laughs> was, moniker given to Johnny Walker. John Walker. That's
1: Can right. I say in this meet in this moment in this part of this show, I think Steve's head is literally blowing up right now. Like what? Uh, Did I'm, you guys I'm, <laughs> just.
0: <laughs> I, I'm tr- I'm trying to track all this. It's not easy, frankly, but um, I'm trying That's to like, track it. So okay. this
4: is this show is it, clearly bar- so. I'll I'll try to back it up a little bit. So this show is clearly borrowing heavily from a Captain America storyline from the mid to late 80s uh, that is euphemistically known as The Captain now because it it involved the government trying to reassert control over the Captain America brand or likeness, if you will, and Steve Rogers refusing to be a part of that and quitting as Captain America. Uh, He went off and became his own superhero for uh, 18 issues called The Captain because he wasn't allowed to call himself Captain America anymore. And the government uh, took a two-bit heretofore virtually unknown minor uh, wannabe superhero named John Walker, who was calling himself the Super Patriot at the time, and dressed him up in the Captain America costume and gave him the shield and started trotting him out as Captain America. And it wound up going very, very badly because the government discovered at the end of the day who is wearing the uniform is actually the most important thing. The, The character of the man wearing the Captain America costume is the most important thing. And it eventually culminates with Steve Rogers picking up the mantle again and continuing to be Captain America without government control or influence. Yeah. Uh, Soon to be reprinted in a forthcoming uh, trade paperback Marvel epic collection, The Captain, uh, coming, I think, in July.
1: Now, I'm just curious where they're going to take this character because, you know, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this, guys, (laughs) because I think you know how that character plays out in the comics, Dave and and Greg, most likely. Yeah. wasn't John Walker
3: the same character that was introduced in the Born Again Daredevil series? Isn't that the same character? No. No. You're no.
4: thinking Duke, I think.
3: Duke, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. This.
1: Now, this is, this is a character a similar, that... Similar crazy personality, though. I'll touch on some of the stuff I'll get to later, not right now, but he definitely has a, a violent streak. How about that? We'll, we'll leave it at that for right now. <laughs> <laughs> he,
4: he has a violent streak that does get unleashed because, again, the the character of the individual mm-hmm. matters. He, yeah. John Walker is, at the end of the day, a tragic figure to me as he was portrayed in the comics because he just he he wasn't up to the task. It's not that he's inherently a bad person; he wasn't up to the task, and those are those are important, distinctive characteristics.
0: All right. Um. Wow, that is a lot to unpack. I'm gonna to have to go back after we publish this episode. I'm gonna to have to go back and listen to it myself again to try and track you guys. Uh, in the last in the last five minutes here, where is Steve Rogers right now? Uh, I thought he was on the moon. Isn't he on the moon?
1: That's, yeah. That was my favorite bit.
0: You didn't just fly him up to the moon. <laughs> moon are, stuff. are they are they sort of teasing a little bit with that that he's around or that could, he may be able to make an appearance in the show? He is literally an old man at this point. Yeah. I, yeah, but that's fixable. Come on. Time travel or something. I mean,
4: they're teasing him because they want to keep him off camera because you never know what the future will hold. And they might be able to bring Chris Evans back at some point in the future. I think they've made it pretty clear it's not happening now or in the immediate future.
0: Well, but they,
4: they, they want to keep him off camera like Schrodinger's cat. So you just, you know. So, Where is Steve? It's a big mystery. Who knows?
1: I, it, it is a great little, throw, like a throwaway line, kind of a joke, conspiracy thing. But it's also funny because we do know that there is the sword base that Nick Fury is hanging out up between here and the moon. And um, the last part, we see Monica Rambeau. She's going up to that base. So maybe Steve is hanging out in little paradise room next to Nick Fury or something. Yeah, I'll, yeah, absolutely. All, all good theories. All good theories. Uh, guys, this show is headed to
0: a fun place. I, I, I really enjoyed this first episode. Um, I have to say, just my high-level take, I was a little bit... I was so enamored with WandaVision and how they rolled that out and how it, it was this thick, dense onion with so many layers to peel back that the first few minutes of this show was sort of like, okay, here we go back to the MCU um it, it, I, I, I get
3: the same feeling steve i got i got the same feeling okay um, yeah it, it, it's
0: because
3: because dave brought up an interesting point about the falcon his life outside of being a superhero and that you know and and we and we kind of saw that with wandavision is also they're, they're not always having these you know world altering battles or anything like that. they have regular lives too and and it and it and Dave turned me on to a comic book series that I recommend to you guys, um, by one of his friends actually, right? Isn't isn't aren't you like friends I, I- with or something uh, like that. We, we were acquaintances
4: once 20 years ago. I'm not sure if you would remember me. but
3: Okay. So, But it's the Hawkeye series, and it's literally what Hawkeye does on his days off. And it's such a great series, and that's what I like seeing out of these shows. It's seeing the, the little things that are happening you know, when they're not being superheroes. And I, and I like seeing more of that. I don't know that we, you know, we're going to have more Marvel movies, and there's going to be more big spectables, and there's going to be more Skybeams and Doohickeys and the MacGuffins. Um, so i like to see this side of the show um these smaller personal shows more often and and hopefully we see
0: more of that like dave says that's interesting that's interesting real quick scott uh i think you were cutting out when you the name of the 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 person that wrote the hawkeye series who was that
3: uh fraction yeah
0: matt fraction okay
4: and Thank that you. series is part of the inspiration for the forthcoming uh, Hawkeye series on Disney Plus, which I think is dropping late this year or sometime next year.
0: Well, it's interesting. Also, we we have we've met Hawkeye's family. We 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 see him at home. They literally go into his home in, in the movies. And so I'm just wondering if that's um, if that's one of the reasons why. Scott, you want to jump in?
1: Yeah, and and don't I mean I agree 100% with Greg and and all of us here on this. I think it's going to be a really interesting story to see that side of these characters where we normally see them having these epic battles all the time. So that's great, but don't for a second think we're not going to be getting easter eggs even the ones we're talking about. And I'm not just talking those just for the fans type things. There are things that are definitely being shown to us like we're being introduced to a character that could essentially based on where Sam's character goes could become the next Captain America if that's where they're going and you have Torres who in the comics becomes the next uh Falcon. So those little moments are happening. Plus, if you really want Easter eggs and deep cuts, just watch the end credit sequence. There are so many. It's, it was like watching WandaVision without Wanda being there. So there there were introductions <laughs> and name drops and tons of things that were possible, uh, like WandaVision little Easter eggs, waiting, uh, you know, setting up stuff possibly for the series. Why would you want to watch WandaVision
0: without Wanda being there? That just sounds like sacrilegious to me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys are uh, feeling me on that. Guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we're gonna, Guys, we're going to wrap this up for today. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you join us next Saturday when we review episode two of season one of Falcon Winter Soldier. Until then, have a great week. And may the Force be with us all.